Hi, this is Dr. E. Michael Jones, the editor of Culture Wars magazine. We have a special program today. Uh, two people uh, I finally was able to bring together. Uh, the short story here is that I was supposed to meet these two guys in person. Uh, I was scheduled to uh, engage in a debate uh, in Zagreb with Jared Taylor and the white boys, uh, talk about race. Uh, the COVID intervened, and that never took place. But the, my big regret uh, is that I didn't get to meet Tony and Alexander in person. So first of all, Tony uh, Katunar, uh, a Croat uh, vintner, has a vineyard in, in Kirk, uh, a politically engagé in uh, Croatia. Now, I've been on his programs a number of times. He'll be joining us. He's been uh, joining us from Kirk in uh, Croatia. And also Alexander Teodorovic, um, a man I met over the internet. I still haven't met, uh, I haven't met either of these guys in person, actually, um, over the same period of time. And so what I had was a grand tour of the former Yugoslavia in mind. After I left uh, Zagreb, I was going to go down and, and uh, uh, hang out on the beach in Kirk and drink wine. And then I was going to go to Belgrade and give a series of talks, and Alexander was supposed to arrange that for me. And nothing happened. None of it didn't happen at all. So the consolation prize is that we're going to get together on uh, the Internet, and we're going to discuss an article of some uh, concern for Yugoslavians, former Yugoslavians. No, you're still here, but the Yugoslavia is no longer here. Uh, the cardinal, the, the uh, postponed or maybe uh, forever postponed canonization of Cardinal Stepinots. This is significant for a lot of different reasons. Um, uh, most of all, it's significant for the Catholic Church because there's, uh, it allows us to talk about who is now in control of the canonization process. But I think it's, there's a bigger, uh, bigger issue here as well. Uh, we are constantly being uh, thrown at each other's throats. Uh, we, this is one of the main oligarchic strategies of control is divide et impera, as the Romans used to say. And the English were masters of it, and we're a former English colony here. And what you have here right now in the United States is, uh, I, I, I have to say this, I just got done doing a program with Press TV today, the Iranian TV station, and they actually take seriously this narrative about white supremacy being the biggest threat in the world right now because the head of the united nations says this what we're happy seeing in the united in the united states right now is an attempt to demonize a group of people by calling them white and then turning them into uh, proxy warriors against another group which they call black and so we have this constant ferment here and that allows the oligarchs to go on and do their business unhindered by anybody uh, objecting. That's where I'd like to begin. Let's, let's talk about the situation um, in the former Yugoslavia now. Let's begin with Alexander. You're, you're, uh, you've written to me repeatedly about the situation in Montenegro. Uh, nobody yeah. knows where Montenegro is, uh, but tell us, uh, uh, it's former Yugoslavia. It's primarily a Serbian population, Orthodox Christians, tell us what's, what the situation in, in Montenegro is. Yeah, well, just a quick uptake. Actually, uh, you can call Montenegrins the Serbs with a particular flavor. And they are. 
but uh, during the Tito regime, uh, Montenegro became a separate republic, a separate ethnic entity. Uh, the goal was to weaken the Serbian uh, state and the Serbian population, which was the majority in uh, former Yugoslavia. And that decision was based actually by the Dresden Comintern Communist Congress from 1928. On that Congress, it was established among the communists of the world and particularly in Yugoslavia, the Serbs are the biggest threat for the expansion of the leftism and the adoption of communism because the society was deeply rooted in Orthodox Christianity and it was an old culture and it was very traditionalist. So uh, Stalin believed in that. Stalin didn't like Serbs, for example, for that reason, openly. And that was a strategy from 1928 on the behalf of the communists to weaken the party. So uh, the artificial republics were uh, constructed at that time after Tito in 1945 took the power in Yugoslavia. Uh, that was a state of Montenegro created. It's like uh, South Bend becoming an independent state of <laughs> Indiana. Right, right. To be honest. Then the Bosnian nation was invented. Right. You know, which is foolish. Uh, Bosniaks, they can be Muslim, Catholic, or Serb, but it's not a separate right. entity. Yes. And then the Macedonia was created. Right. The Macedonians right. also never had a real statehood. Right. So this I got is into big trouble when happened. I said when I said Macedonia wasn't a state. Uh, a Macedonian lady started shouting at me when I said that. But you you have the creation of these mini states that are in, incapable yeah. of functioning as states. No, wait, wait. Uh, okay. Uh, I see where, where we are going. Uh, I just Good. have to say. I, I'm glad you do because I don't. Go ahead. So, where are we going? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, some 40, I think it's really 40% of people living in Montenegro don't agree with the fact that, that they will be like a Serb with a flavor. I mean, Montenegro has, has, has a history and uh, has for sure his, its own identity. I mean, it's it's a historical topic, but but before we get into into this big debate, can I just uh, take the opportunity and uh, maybe just before we we get into this this fiery debating, just to ask three questions to Alexander, just to see. Wait a minute. Wait. Where be, we wait. Be, before we get into that, you're going to have to give uh, the our listeners some background about Croatia and the Ustasha and that whole state, because that's a crucial part of the, the discussion we have right now. I have to give it? Well, someone's got to give it, because okay. people won't know okay. what we're talking about. Alexander's already talked about the communist angle. Uh, what about the other angle? What about the, uh, the state, the Ustasha state? And, and okay. because that's where, crucial where to understanding Stepinots, and we're going to talk about Stepinots at some point or other, Cardinal Stepinots. Yeah, but... I think we, we mostly have to talk about history here. Okay, so go ahead. Best, the best is okay. So the elevator talk about the Yugoslavia and all, all this all this area. So basically, you have two uh, big empires: uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire and uh, and the Ottoman Empire, right? Uh, 
So the the Ottoman Empire, you have Serbs living inside. Uh, there is a series of national uprisings because uh, the Ottomans were were like subsidizing uh, local nations in order to keep Christianity divided, and basically these these nation nationalistic movements grow to the extent they they tore apart the Ottoman Empire. So the Serb uh, lead their own uh, rebellion, right? Uh, they are they are aided by by the Jews that have the headquarters. The the big ah. Jewish center here is in Solon, right? So uh, the the unlike unlike uh, like the most eastern uprisings like the Armenian and stuff, the Serb uprising is very successful. Uh, it's successful beyond expectations because it basically uh, brings an end to Ottoman Empire. And then in the First World War, it, it kind of triggers the First World War and it brings down the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So the Croatians uh, on the other side are living in the Hungarian-Croatian Union and the Union gets into the Union with Austria and you got the Austro-Hungarian Union. So the Croatians are like uh, lost in translation here. But they they do have uh, they do maintain their own uh, their own uh, political class. They do have their their like their parliament, and they are used to to, to this parliamentary life. <clears throat> so so the Austro-Hungaria loses the First World War. The Serbs come out like as winners. Okay, so uh, Croatian Croatian. This is, this is when the this foundation of Yugoslavia took place. The first no, Yugoslavia. It's not true. That's not true. I'm sorry. It's not true. So the First World War ends. Uh, Croats are left uh, in the wind, and the Italians want, want to grab the Croatian, uh, let's say, the Croatian coast. That's a really nice piece of real estate. Right. Good looking. I mean, it's. I've been there. It's, it's very nice. So the Croatians have no army, have no state. They turn to the Serbs, and they want the Serbs to basically to protect them, to to make some kind of a union. So the Union, I mean, this is, they are rushed in because the Italians are already sending their ships to, to conquer these uh, Croatian coast uh, islands and stuff. And you don't have the founding of uh, Yugoslavia. The country that is founded is called the Kingdom, the kingdom of Croatian Serbs and Slovenes. Okay? So the Croatians were hoping that they will live in some kind of a union that resembled the, the Austro-Hungarian Empire or the Croatian-Hungarian Union, that they will have some kind of parliament and stuff. So basically, and what, the, what they get, they get some, uh, another, let's say, another type of, of, of government, another type of state that is very centralistic, uh, very <laughs> non-parliamentary, and it's called in, let's say, in the Croatian tradition, is called like twenty years of oppression and misery. Okay. When when <clears> did when did oh, when did Ante Pavlovich? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> when did wait a minute? When did Ante Pavlovich approach Mussolini? When did it, when, okay. would, when did that uh, take we place? Have, we we haven't come to Yugoslavia yet. So basically, you have the Croatian delegation that that is in the Serbian Parliament. They are used to bickering and fighting and endless discussions. And the Serbs are more heroic people. You know, they say, well, you lost the war, shut the fuck up and you know, be good. So the, you have this Croatian elite constantly whining and asking for some things to solve the Croatian questions. 
And basically, on one day, that is <coughs> 928, uh, a Serb guy in the parliament takes... Uh, 26. What? 26. 26. Ah, excuse me. Uh, 20, yeah, 26. The Serb guy takes a six-bullet revolver, uh, comes and shoots six members of Croatian delegation from point All right. Okay. So he basically he basically eliminates the Croatian political elite and the Croatian uh, the Croatian let's say representatives. So you have here the beginning of the Croatian question in the kingdom of the Croats, Serbs, and the Slovenes. Uh, the, 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 the 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 state the state the kingdom was very pro-Serb oriented. You have the uh, diplomacy were all Serbs, military were all Serbs. Basically, Serbs were the dominate, dominating people here, and uh, the king, the king Alexander, has not, does not know how to deal with this. So, by 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 uh, royal decree on the third of October, 1929, he declares that the the kingdom is no longer the kingdom of Serbs, Croats, and Slovenes. It's called now Kingdom of Yugoslavia, and we are all Yugoslavs now. So, the the Croatian, let's say, national songs. Are forbidden. We are not not Croatians anymore. We are Yugoslav, and it's a basically, uh, let's say, some <clears throat> strange way to deal with with uh, you know multi ethnicity. It's basically rolling over a Yugoslav identity over a problem that is not resolved. Okay. So you have two reactions on this Serb, let's say, on this Serb move. One reaction is you have the people that are emigrated. Basically, uh, the people that, uh, that throw away, let's say, the, the Catholic and the religious identity, and they say, okay, enough of this effeminate Christian stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll turn to, to the terrorism and to the, you know, to the basically terrorist tactics. And this is the Ustasha. This is the Ustasha. Basically, and steered by Mussolini. That's, that's the competing nation, Italy is a competing nation of Yugoslavia. And you have the other movement that's more Catholic, that basically is led by, by Archbishop of Zagreb and his uh, assistant Stepinac. They come to the Marian shrine and they uh, put the crown on, on, on the Virgin Mary head and say, okay, now Virgin Mary is the queen of the Croats. So basically you have these, these two I mean, the Croatians don't know what to do, and these are the two options. Well, the both are, let's say, <laughs> have their pluses and minuses. So basically, uh, Yugoslavia then uh, does not know whether well, Yugoslavia is struggling with with this with this Croatian question. Uh, I'm, it's basically from the Croatian side, it's viewed as as, as harsh repress repression and let's say misery uh, through all these years and in the meantime you have all this uh, this let's say nazi movement moving uh, growing in europe you have nazi germany uh, having its diplomatic offensive and basically it's it's threatening or pressuring yugoslavia to to sign uh, to get into their nazi club right so this is this is a situation that the peanuts finds himself in uh, when yeah, World, World, War II, World War II breaks out. World War, we have World War II. Yeah. The Nazis Before invade. World War II, yeah. So Yugoslavia basically signs 
uh, this Nazi Nazi pact and enters in the Axis forces. So Kingdom of Yugoslavia is formally an, uh, Hitler's and Mussolini's ally. <clears throat> but the, the Brits, uh, well, it's at least in Croatian tradition, is told that there are British officers, British intelligence, uh, Serb officers, and uh, some some guys on the court. Uh, they stage a coup, and they they basically replace the the king with an underage king, and and basically uh, the reaction of the of the Nazis was to crush Yugoslavia. The Nazis and Italians occupied the country. And the Italians and the Nazis uh, agree together that uh, they will uh, split the country in two. In one half, they will put in place uh, the Serb Quisling, and in the other part, they will put in place the, the Croatian Quisling that's uh, at the moment in Italy, and it's heading the, this terrorist organization. Okay, okay. Now, let's, let's go. I want to talk about Stepinots at this point. Stepinots. Oh, now... no, 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 no. I need to reply. No, okay, no, no. all right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I'll have my uh, 14 minutes now. Is that okay? <laughs> okay. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Uh, first of all, uh, Montenegro, the, the count from 1908 of the population in Montenegro, 98% were Orthodox. Second, all of the intellectuals and spiritual fathers of Montenegro claim they are Serbian, like Njegos and like Marko Miljanov. So uh, why like 40% of the Montenegrins, although it's getting less now, are claiming they are the separate entity? That is because of the Titoism. Because of the what? Because of what? Titoism. Titoism, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the doctrine of Joseph Broz Tito. Uh, split the Serbia, make it weaker, which actually happened and culminated in 1974, when Serbia itself was the only republic that was divided in three parts. Kosovo on the south and Vojvodina on the north, that's north of Belgrade. So uh, Montenegro was Serbian uh, due to the communist propaganda and to the um, some writings of the Montenegrin and uh, world-known uh, uh, dissident, most famous Yugoslavian dissident, Milovan Gilas. I don't know if you heard about yeah, him. Yeah, sure, sure I have. Yeah, uh, well, he was the father of the Montenegrin new ideology under Tito. Okay. There were some movements before the Second World War. It's called the Green Montenegro by Stedimlia and by another guy. But that was a minority. And after the First World War, they had to move to Italy. So that's regarding Montenegro. Uh, what was next? Uh, sorry, I lost my thought of mind. Uh, Tony, what did you say after Montenegro? Please remind me. Well, I basically gave the elevator speech of uh, creating the Yugoslavia after Ottoman and Austro-Hungarian Empire. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So, uh, actually, it's not true that entire Serbia was under the Ottomans. Serbia was split. 
Central and South Serbia and Macedonia were under the Ottomans until 1878. 1878. But north of Belgrade and the Serbs who lived in Dalmatia, Lika, Banja and Cordoba, most of the time lived under the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So we have that a little bit split identity, a little bit of both, you know. That's another thing. Uh, regarding the creation of Yugoslavia, uh, well, uh, uh, Croatians were mostly fighting on the side of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Croatian unfortunately participated in many ma massacres conducted on the Serbian territory during 1914 and 1915. It was an interesting detail that actually Joseph Broz Tito and General Mihailovic were shooting at each other at the Battle of Suvobor. I did not know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, interesting stuff. General Mihailovic was a machine gunner and uh, Joseph Broz Tito was a member of the Austro-Hungarian Devils Division, it's called. It had 7,000 members, and basically they were uh, doing uh, awful things. They were like special units that, that was uh, uh, taught and instructed to do repression among the civilian population. So after the killing of Archduke Ferdinand, Gavrilo Princi, shocking, we all know that, without the knowledge of the king and without the knowledge of Nikola Pašić, that was actually very counterproductive. For some people here, he's a hero. For other people, he's an idiot who pushed us in a war earlier than we were supposed to enter. It was very hard to avoid it. It was impossible to avoid the war with the Austro-Hungarian Empire, because they've been planning that since 1906. But uh, by killing Archduke Ferdinand in Sarajevo, country, the Serbia, was pushed earlier in a war. And that was after two Balkan Wars, where we definitely uh, kicked out all the Ottomans from the country. Now, what happened in Croatia uh, during the First World War? I'm talking about Serbs who live in the Croatian territory. It was an ethnic cleansing of 200,000 Serbs that happened during that period of time. And uh, that was a retribution and that was also a way to loot their property. However, our king <laughs> was, let, let, me, let me finish, please. However, I, our king was internationalist and the Freemason he was a member of the Grand Lodge of Orient, the French masonry member, believed in Yugoslavia, believed in a Versailles Treaty and wanted to create Yugoslavia. He was also a megalomaniac. He was a brave soldier but a very poor statesman and made a lot of decisions. I personally was against the creation of Yugoslavia. It should never happen, uh, which uh, I think history is showing that, you know. We well, agree on last that. Long. Can, yeah. I, can I say something here? 
Sure. I, I'd like to. Uh, I, um, in your, if you're talking about this period, there's a big element that needs to be brought into this, and that is the the uh, Bolshevik uh, pro or the Jewish Bolshevik uh, activity in the Balkans at this time. Right after uh, the, the Bolsheviks took control uh, of uh, Russia in 1917, but uh, Parvus, uh, their agent, was in um, in uh, Istanbul uh, beginning in 1910 because of the failure of the Russian Revolution of 19, I think it was 1905. Okay, so he goes down there and he's agitating here in in uh, in uh, Turkey, the Ottoman Empire, uh, with both groups. He's working with both the Hunchaks and the uh, the Dashnaks, which were the Armenian yeah. nationalists, and he's also working with the Young Turks. He's agitating here uh, because he thought that the, the, the empire that was most likely to fall at this point was the Ottoman Empire, it was the weakest link in the chain, and that's why he was there. Now Trotsky was traveling through the Balkans at this time, and the the the, the point of Armenian serfs heavily. The, the, the point of the whole Armenian story, the Armenian genocide, is basically to look at it as the Turks versus the Armenians and eliminate this group of people completely from consideration. It's, the same, it's this invisible group of people that's working behind the scenes that never comes to the fore. And it seems to me the same thing is happening in Yugoslavia here. Okay. Uh, to my knowledge, no, there was no Jewish significant influence. I don't know of any. Oh wait, now now this brings us to Stepinats, who says that there uh, we're talking about cultural politics right now, and this brings yeah, up yeah. brings up that whole letter that uh, Stepinats wrote to Cardinal Maglioni uh, in Rome. Uh, first of all, Stepinats now has some sympathy for the Ustasha regime because they're banning abortion and pornography, okay? In this regard, he's not. He's a lot like uh, Gary Goulagrange in France. That led to the split between Maritain and Gary Goulagrange because Gary Goulagrange said that the Patan government, the Vichy government, is the most Catholic government since the French Revolution. So you've got the symp sympathy here for these uh, fascist regimes because they're nationalists and because these are uh, uh, nationalist people. And then suddenly uh, it starts to go bad and there's suddenly the stories of the atrocities are coming and the excesses of Ustasha ideology. But in this letter that Cardinal Maglione, uh, he wrote to Cardinal Maglione, he's saying uh, it's, the Serbs are collaborating with the Jews. And they're producing pornography, and they're trying to undermine the morals of the Croatian people. Now, what do you th what, what do you tell me what you th tell me what you think of that letter? Is was there collaboration here between the Serbs me and the Jews? Or Tony, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Me? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, a total fabrication. I don't know of any Jewish particular influence. You mentioned Avram and Hatton. But Avram Manhattan was traveling all over the world. You know, we had a few Jews. Basically, uh, when it comes to Balkans, Balkans used to be a relatively poor area comparing to other parts of the world and Western world. So Jews like actually emigrating and living in the rich places like London, Venice, Paris, uh, New York, you know, where there's an abundance of money. So there weren't too many Jews, uh, neither in Serbia, neither in Croatia, just for a starter. 
second, Stepinac was so anti-Serbian that he was either either he he didn't like the Serbs simply, and then he maybe invented that, or he didn't check. At the best, he didn't check the facts. Well, wait, wait, wait let's let's get back to that croc that, the magazine. What about the magazine Crocodile? The magazine Crocodile, which he said was written with, uh, published in Serbia, but written with Croats in mind. Uh, crocodile. That's what it was called. Crocodile. That's not the influential magazine at all. No one pretty much talks about that magazine. And who's how do we know who wrote that magazine? Well, that's because he says that it was... How do we know who wrote the, the Protocol of Zion? Well, he, he wrote, he said uh, that the months were, uh, uh, it was, pr- first of all, it was printed in the Latin alphabet, but they were using Serbian names for the, for the months. So that led him to believe that it was a, a Serbian collaboration. And he mentioned Jews too. Now, whether... Well, a- anybody could do that, you know. Serb, Croat, British, Norwegian. Okay. <laughs> okay, Tony, what do you think? Well, uh, regarding the Jewish, let's say the Jewish involvement in the Balkans. Well, uh, the Jews had uh, here a very vibrant and, let's say, a strong uh, community uh, with the Saloon being their center. It was basically, uh, I think it still is, or it was. Uh, the only urban center in the world that has a Jewish major- majority, so most of the inhabitants are Jewish, Jewish. and they they had a role in in this uh, in these uh, Balkan uprisings. I mean, they supported all of them basically, particularly the Serb. Who? I, who when? I mean, Tell me. that, I don't. Uh, I don't. I'm not uh, saying that there is some kind of a conspiracy. There's basically uh, you have this Serb national movement. That that wants that wants to rise against the the Ottomans, and you have the Jews helping them out. And one name, have... one name, Tony. Who? What? Who? 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 One name or two? Okay, uh, I, I have. Um, there are any. Yeah, I, there is a name. There is a name. Uh, okay, just a second. Okay, we'll talk about something outside. Much, much more than we deserve, to be honest. <laughs> I was I was more 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 prepared for steppiness and stuff, not not so much about the Jews, but they can find your name. Okay, okay. let's say uh, the one name that's important for the for the let's say for the world and for the for the world politics is uh, Theodore Herzl. He's basically in Belgrade, and, and he's seeing the, the, let's say, the successful uh, Serb uprising and, and, the, and the Serb state that has uh, perfectly, perfectly aligned uh, politics uh, like uh, national religion and morality. They're all perfectly aligned, and they are, it, it's, it's the, the, the thing that he sees being in Belgrade. He likes and he kind of replicates it. So basically, he picks up this this uh, the results of this. Uh, okay. Let's say. Let me, let me ask you. Do you think that that card? Well, let me just ask, let me just ask one question here. Do you think that the Maglioni, what he wrote to Maglioni, is plausible? Do you think it's plausible? In other words, that the, that the Jews were collaborating with the Serbs to undermine the Croat morals. Do you think that? Uh, did he make think, that up? Do you think, think he made that up? He, he wrote. 
he wrote his letter he wrote his letter also to the to the Yugoslav prime minister uh, complaining about pornography coming from Belgrade because uh, I mean pornography uh, in these days it would be, it would be called uh, erotic or uh, right. I don't know, I, that's like that's that. another question you're right that's you're another right. question okay but basically he managed Stepinas managed to ban some some uh, magazine that he found pornographic in Zagreb but the material was coming from Belgrade, and he was complaining about it. Like, it's printed in Belgrade, uh, but it's printed in a Latin alphabet, in, it's sold in Zagreb, it's not right. sold in That's Belgrade. that's the gist of the letter. And he was, he was, uh, he was, uh, he was complaining because uh, the Yugoslav government has a legislator, uh, like, and also uh, a body that would control the news agencies, and pornography was illegal. So basically it was some kind of illegal contraband Operation that was tolerated by the authorities in Belgrade. That was the okay. That was the issue about All right, Bal, uh, what do you think, Alexander? You don't think it's plausible? It might be an individual, but not as a Serbian plot against Croatian Catholic culture. No, that thing doesn't. On the well, contrary, what, what, now wait a minute. The Serbs are not known. The Serbs are not known for pornography, but the Jews are. Pornography is a Jewish weapon. It's not a Serbian weapon. The question is, were the Serbs the fall guys here? Were they being used as a, 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 a no. stalking horse? No, because Jewish influence was never too strong in Serbia. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. You I, you tried to arrange uh, meetings for me. I, could, I didn't get anywhere in Belgrade because of my reputation as an anti-Semite. So it must be some type of Jewish influence. No, 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 influence. no, no. I didn't say I was trying hard. <laughs> no, no, no. We didn't complete that okay. thing. Okay. All and right. then uh, 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 it's not about that, only Mr. Jones. Okay. It's about me as an organizer of our meeting, meddling if the affairs of particular people. Okay, I okay. They like to control their jobs. Jobs are scarce now. I the impression I had was that they all looked to me up on the internet and that was that was it. <laughs> you have followers in Serbia, I told you that. Okay, good, good. Well Dominandi is one of the cult books on the right-hand intellectual spectrum oh, well, in Serbia. You. That's good to hear. We have uh, several intellectuals that are quoting your book. Great. But the problem was it, it should have taken uh, much more time to arrange that, but unfortunately, Corona came. Okay, and, uh, yeah. You know, I wanted to bring you to a prime locations, to a law faculty to a uh, university of uh, engineering okay. where this type of debates are held. I didn't know that it was so hard to penetrate there because, as I said, people are worried of their jobs. In the meantime, well, wait Serbia, a wait a why are they, why are they... and Israeli relationship got so bad in the last few months, but that's another subject. I can talk that later or some other time. Okay. They stabbed us in the back, basically, Bibi, regarding Kosovo. Okay. Did, so he uh, wants to open the Kosovo Republic embassy in Tel Aviv. You've got a neocon president of uh, Montenegro, right? Isn't that what you told me? He's a neocon. No, no, no. He's a I'm Zionist. Talking, I'm talking Bibi Netanyahu. Oh, Bibi. Yeah, he's a Zionist too. Bibi. Netanyahu stabbed us in the back. 
Well, he's good. Well, well sh shame on you for trusting Bibi Netanyahu. No, we didn't trust him. We we were just drifting. You know, we are not too B powerful country at, B the, at the moment. Bibi stabbed I, Donald Trump in the back. Let me, of course, let me explain what happened. Israel, who belongs to that Zionist uh, group of um, Jews, basically, as you know better than I do, Jews are divided into Marxists and Zionists. They're political thinkers and beings. Most of the Israelis are the Zionists, people who live in Israel. Uh, Jewish Marxists were so against Serbia. They were uh, supporting the war against Serbia during the 90s. Holbrook, Richard, Cohen, uh, Madeleine Albright, they're all left liberal or Jews who were so anti-Serbian that it's hard to describe. Even the current president, uh, uh, Joy Biden, was saying horrible things about Serbs in the 90s, that we killed 300,000 innocent Bosniaks. Well, guess what happened? A few years later, the body count was done. Of all three sites, 104,000 people were killed. That was a, and, uh, the whole war was created on a pretext. It was that so-called massacre at Rachak, which was supposed to justify no, no, the no, war. No no no. no, no, no. That was the organizations. That was a hit on Russia, and also a way that um, the machinery, the military complex, can keep on making money. In order to survive, they need to generate the wars all the time. Therefore, okay. you have Yugoslavia, you have Iran, you have Libya, right. Ukraine, yep. and we'll, I have no doubts we have more wars during uh, this president. That's you right. Know, That's the right. beast has to be fed. Right. Tony wanted about, to say something. After okay, 13 okay. years of support well. of, for Kosovo, our independent territory that's occupied right now by NATO troops, uh, Bibi Netanyahu decided to turn our back to Serbia and to support Kosovo terrorists and drug smugglers and open their embassy in Tel Aviv. I'm not going to defend American foreign policy in the Balkans uh, uh, at all. But to, to, what, were you, what were you going to say, Tony? Yeah, okay. I did not. I was not prepared for the for the Jew talk, but I like Google the guy called da David David Albala, and Wikipedia says under his influence, Serbia became the first country in the world to openly endorse the Balfour Declaration in 1917. So basically, he was a Serb war hero and also a Jewish uh, big Zionist and stuff. But okay, let's. Uh, let, 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 I, I'd like to take this. We don't. Okay, we don't have. We're, 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 I want to get to this before uh, we before we get uh, run out of time. Were were this okay? We talked about Stepinots in the 30s and that pornography thing. Were the Serbs being played during the canonization hearings? Uh, Pope Francis invited. Uh, Patriarch Irenae uh, onto a commission. Uh, we know who is controlling the canonization of saints in the church right now. It's the Jews. If, if you have people who lived in the 1930s who had perfectly conventional understanding of what we call the Jewish problem, 
uh, people like uh, Cardinal Hlond in uh, in uh, Poland, uh, uh, Bishop uh, Graf von Galen in Germany, and Stepinots, and they all got it from Civita Cattolica. The Vatican Magazine would talk about the Jewish problem. So now you've got a group of people who will never be canonized because the Jews have veto power over who gets canonized in the Catholic Church. That's a fact. The question is, were the Serbs played by the Jews in this instance? I'm talking about specifically Patriarch Irenae. Were they, were they, did, did the Jews take this traditional animosity between Serbs and Croats, did they exacerbate it as a way of getting their way and, and getting rid of the peanuts? Alexander, what do you think? Uh, no question that, uh, particularly after the Second Council from the 60s, Jews have a lot, Jewish elite, I mean, it's fair to say, has uh, a lot of influence on a Catholic church. On this one, I personally don't believe that it was Jewish influence or strictly Jewish influence. Why? Because uh, Pope uh, Ratzinger, no, no, this Pope is actually, he, he is, uh, he doesn't like much uh, Ustashi. He had the contact with them in uh, Argentina when he was living there and taking school. And uh, second, uh, that's a danger of new affair, new political scandal for Vatican. Vatican had a lot of problems nowadays, as we both know, internal and external. Right. So, uh, you know, the missing funds of 1.82 billion, Cardinal Becciu's, uh, Car you right. know, right. Management. Uh, the sent a million dollars. He sent a million dollars to Australia to bump off uh, Cardinal yeah. Pell. Yeah. The, the whole the, scandal. The, the whole scandal with Medjugorje now, where they basically push, they shove Bishop Perich out, and they put a pro Medjugorje bishop uh, in in charge of Medjugorje now. This is scandalous. The, scandalous. Yeah. Then the, the London real estate affair, etc., etc. So on this one. Uh, Pope decided uh, not to canonize uh, Stepinets because of his role in the Second World War. I believe that he has a knowledge and that he has a documents that can easily condemn Stepinets. All right. Now, and Tony, by the way, there are many. Can I, can I, Tony, I, let me let me ask you. Let me. Okay. Did you did they? Do you think that uh, the the Vatican threw Stepinets under the bus? As we say in American slang, did yeah, they yeah, did I they know. did they stab the peanut? Did they stab the Croats in the back with the no. peanuts? Well, he's not yes, worthy, me. he's not worthy of sainthood. That's all. Tell I think the Pope saved the Vatican from another international scandal, and he was wise about that. There is I a lot of uh, dirt on the peanuts. You know, you have a slew of Catholic historians who write against the peanuts. That's the problem. All right, yes, Tony, Tony problem. what do you can think? I, can, I say, can I say, like, uh, my, my my view of all this situation? Yeah, sure, go it's, ahead. It's not it's not basically, the, the peanuts is not, not a true issue here. What, what uh, the yeah. case is the peanuts? I agree. Basically, basically the, 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 the peanuts case and the, and the Croatia is basically a Catholic Samoa. Catholic what? Catholic what? 
Catholic Samoa to reference your work. Samoa? Yeah. Okay. So Samoa is a place, allegedly, some mythical place. No one's been there. And uh, that's the proof that adultery is good, basically. Okay, yeah, that's degenerate models. So, okay, Stepinats and the Second World War Croatia uh, are this mythical proof. Nobody heard of it. Nobody knows what happened here. It's some obscure place. And it's a proof that uh, the Catholic Church is bad and it's responsible for Nazism. That, that's basically it. Okay. It's, I mean, all the, all, the, all the accusations against Stepinats are not that solid and they are easily refuted. But, but let's say it's my opinion. Okay, you will have your, your word. But, uh, but in my opinion, this, this, uh, this aura, this, this, it stands, all this slander are still standing because they are coming from two unexpected, uh, let's say, two unexpected directions. Uh, one, that, that the, the, even, even let's say the, the people living here in, in Europe uh, are, not, uh, are not expected to get slander from, from, let's say, from the American side. I remember when I asked my father, uh, when I, in my early teens, when I realized that the Americans are not actually Catholics, I asked, them, I asked him, well, what's, what's this Protestant thing? Well, are Americans like us? And he said, he thinking, and he says, yeah, yeah, they're just like us. They love us. I mean, love us Catholics. So basically, uh, you, have, <laughs> you, you have this animosity and this, uh, let's say, uh, not really sympathetic view of the church also com coming from, let's say, from the free world and, and from America because they have their issues with, with, with the Catholic right, Church. Absolutely. And it's a danger. Right. I've written about this repeatedly in book after book, the American war on the Catholic Church uh, in America and, and uh, uh, elsewhere as well. But, but on the other hand, on the other side, of the other side, you also have this, this, this also, let's say, uh, Western intellectual circle that is also under the, the influence, uh, let's say, of, uh, of let's say, Fatimist, uh, uh, I would say, uh, some kind of uh, the, the thing that they have, they, they have some secret knowledge transmitted by the, Fat, by the Fatima apparitions. Uh, and you also have this anti-historical view uh, of the two popes that uh, that the, the 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 Eastern churches are the other lung, and basically this 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 strange Fatimist revelatory group that says that the Russia is basically uh, the new Israel or something like that, and so they are <laughs> the okay to be short uh, the big the. the I watched uh, to prepare for this show. I watched uh, on the YouTube some informative uh, some shows uh, that are about some documentaries about Stepinats, and let's say the Serb one. It's that's that's uh, that's uh, filmed in Milosevic age. It's also even balanced. I mean, you have the Croatian side, you have the Serb side, you have some kind of a looking for agreement, and on the other hand, you have this uh, old British and American let's say, propaganda stuff, and also you have the Sputnik stuff that is pure vitriol. <laughs> so basically, you, you, have, you have mud thrown at, at, at this Catholic Samoa from the unexpected places, and that makes it to stick this long. 
because nobody knows where Croatia is, nobody will go to look for the historical record, and nobody will waste the time. I mean, if the Russians, let's say the Russians and let's say the Americans are both slandering it, it must be bad, right? Okay, what, what do you think, Alexander? What, let's, let's, the geo, what is the geopolitical situation there now? I mean, after the 90s, Yugoslavia got broken up. Now you have pseudo countries like Bosnia. You got a, a, a country that is so small, they're so weak, they have no influence, struggling to survive uh, in a world that is now uh, in rebellion against the oligarchs, full rebellion against the oligarchs across the world. How does uh, how do countries like Yugoslavia, I, I mean, uh, uh, Croatia and Serbia fit into that picture? Well, uh, uh, the geostrategic picture, I should say it's, uh, it's um, everything they do, basically, on a position, in terms of geostrategy is uh, more or less war against Russia. To prevent the Russian or call it Byzantine influence in Europe, both Eastern and Western. Uh, Serbia is right now surrounded by NATO countries. Right. We are not technically a NATO country. And we have two kinds of occupation, the soft occupation and the hard occupation. Soft occupation is on the territory of Serbia where you don't need see a NATO soldiers on the street with rifles. But everything is under control. The banks, uh, the many politicians, the many cultural institutions, etc., etc. Kosovo, on the other hand, our southern province that Tito split from Serbia by the amendments on the constitution in 1974, uh, fit to the model of a hard occupation, which means you have a military American base over there. It's called Bonstil has 650 soldiers. They're involved in many uh, illegal activities, such as drug smuggling from Afghanistan, right. Pakistan, then goes to Injilic. Then from Injilic, it goes to uh, Kosovo. And then from Kosovo, it goes to Serbia, Croatia, Western Europe, and America. So it's a money-making venture also. The only plausible explanation I knew of the invasion of Afghanistan was to resurrect the heroin trade because the CIA, the CIA was using, uh, after Carter cut their budget, they were spending uh, heroin money. Got it from the, the Golden Triangle in Vietnam then to Afghanistan. Yeah, while I was living in the United States, there was a pretty good article in National Geographic, sometimes 2006, 2007, with photos of American soldiers with M16 rifles guarding the opium poppy seeds, right. you know, plantations. And also some of the retired American officers were complaining about that. And it's a semi-secret, you know, these are the paths of drug smuggling. So uh, let's say Hungary is in NATO, Croatia is in NATO, Bosnia is supposed to enter NATO, Montenegro is in NATO, Macedonia is in NATO, Bulgaria is in NATO. We're not, we're the only 
country that is not in the NATO, although we wrote, uh, we signed two agreements with NATO, which is called SOFA and EPAP agreements, which bring us pretty close to the membership of NATO, but not the membership itself. Well, why the Yugoslavia was in NATO, basically. Yeah, I, I would totally agree on that. If Mr. Jones agrees, we can spend a couple of minutes on that issue. That's very interesting. Cold what, War game. What? What? Uh, Jones, uh, Tito has had a nice, uh, a nice insight into world geopolitics. I think uh, he was basically a Russian spy. He knew personally Stalin. He was Stalin's uh, agent uh, that was assigned uh, for the territory from Spain to Greece. So he was basically in the Western world, and and he was trained in the in the Comintern in in Moscow. Uh, so basically, when he he got total control of Yugoslavia, and he split with Stalin, uh, he had this view. His view of the, of the world of geopolitics was uh, was following. So he claimed that the West, that the Westerners or the West, they are uh, Bielosvetsky. Uh, Horstapleri imperialisti, <laughs> basically, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Westerns, West Westerners are, uh, what would be the translation? Globalists, basically imperialistic globalists. Right. And for the Russian, for the Russians, or let's say the Soviets, he said uh, international Trotskyite of the worst kind. So basically, yeah. uh, his claim was it is the same people. Was, what about the third world, though? What, he was Tito was the leader and of the Third, third World. Third was, was an American project, basically to prevent the Third World countries entering into the, the Soviet orbit. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, it was it was an American-run operation. Yugoslavia, I mean Yugoslavia, Yugoslavia was so. Uh, for example, uh, in I went into the military museum in Slovenia. Uh, you have basically two Russian tanks inside, uh, the the fifty-five. And the 75, which is basically the use of 98, 99, which would And you have a full pavilion of American armor. You have the Hellcats, the the Jacksons, the Pattons, the I don't know what, what the name were. Uh, like well, I was uh, the, in my military service, I was using American cannon, 55 <laughs> millimeters. When that, I was in Rijeka, serving my military service. I was in, <laughs> under Yugoslavia, in Yugoslavia. Yeah, in the yeah, of course, of course. Uh, all right, American all right, guys, we are we are running out of time. I I think we got a Serb and a Croat to agree on something here. I think that's that's probably where we should leave it at this point. But uh, I think this was a great discussion, and uh, uh, I still think uh, Stepinats is, is is an important figure for the church, if nothing else, because it, it just shows. Uh, who's controlling the canonization proceedings right now? And I think that we, uh, the church, from my point of view, is intellectually crippled right now because of that group of people. They simply can't, they, they don't have a mind of their own. They can't exert any type of leadership anywhere. They are losing, they have been losing the culture wars in the West ever since uh, the beginning of this misguided project of Catholic-Jewish dialogue, and nothing has changed over the past all of these all of these decades. But anyway, it was great okay, to get Mike, get your perspective. Can, can I add? Can yes. I, can I add just one one story about uh, Stepinats that uh, 
that was a bit surprising for me. I, I thought that uh, like the Jews don't like Stepinas because he saved like the local Jews that are not that important. But it turns out that uh, that was not completely true. If we have a time for a, for a short Stepinas story, go ahead. Uh, so there is uh, in Croatia, in let's say when the Nazis occupied Croatia, there is this uh, Jewish family, uh, father, mother, and a young kid. So they are trying to escape, but they don't have the documents. There are checkpoints everywhere, and they know that uh, Stepinac is helping out the, the guys to, to escape. So they get uh, the, they go to, to the archdiocese in Zagreb, and Stepinac gives them uh, birth certificates. Okay, they try to escape with it. Uh, the, their attempt fails. They come to Stepinac again, because now they have to hide. They're fugitives now. So Stepinac uh, sends them to the to the priest in Sveta Clara, to the parish priest in Sveta Clara. The priest uh, takes them in and put him puts the family into his basement. So they see in the basement some other Jewish families, some communists, and some people that are let's say in, in <laughs> that have that have lives in, in danger, in something that is obviously some kind of a clerical covert operation or something. So basically you have all these people hidden in this parish priest's basement and they are tipped off by uh, local parishioners that the Ustars are coming, they, are, that they, they know they are hiding there. So they run, they run away, the Ustars come and they find no, no fugitives, let's say. They, fi they find only the parish priest. They kill the priest and dump his body in the river. <clears throat> okay, then the, all these people come back, and the local parishioner, parishioners of that parish uh, keep, uh, well, they keep they keep caring for them, and they all survive until the end of the war. Of the war. Of the war. Okay, uh, this Jewish kid uh, comes to Israel and uh, becomes there a big general. His name is Dan Baram, or Dan Baram. He's a police general in Israel, and he even founded their National Guard or something. So he's, he gave some maybe five or six TV interviews. Uh, he was in Israel still saving the, 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 let's say, this uh, certificate that he was a Christian given by the Zagreb Archdiocese, Archdiocese in Zagreb. And he manages to to make. Uh, they have this the, the, in Israel. They they give these prizes to people that helped Jews in the Second World War, and so even he is and is in flesh as being an influential general, manages to get this priest that was killed, uh, given this this award, but he cannot do it for Stepinac. So he's a, he's a top rank uh, general. He's publicly saying that that. Uh, he was not forced to be Christianized or something right. or anything, that no water was forcibly put on his head. They basically, they have just been given papers. And This, and this strikes to, me as far, very similar to the story of Pius XII, where Jews, he, he got the papers for the Jews, got them out, and uh, at a certain point, it's, actually it's 1958, the Jews, by, by which I mean the leaders of this group of people, the big guys, Turned on Pius the Twelfth, and uh, with the play, whole uh, uh, played the deputy, and uh, that's the story. So no matter how many little Jews got helped by the Pope, it's the question is the big Jews don't like uh, the Pope, and that's they're the people who determine the narrative. Anyway, well, uh, Alexander, 
One yeah. last last word. You got the last word. Okay, uh, Alosius Stepinac uh, saved uh, 360 people uh, during the Second World War. Uh, 20 of them were Serbs, the rest were Jews, and most of these Jews were actually um, husbands or wives of the Croatian Catholics. That's one thing. On the other hand, a woman called Diana Budisavljevic was upper middle class woman in Zagreb, saved 13,360 Serbian kids. That does tell us something. This is Archbishop Stepinac comfortably sitting with Ante Pavelic. This is my great-grandfather, Serbian leader of the Serbian Orthodox Church, captured by the Germans in 1941 in April in the monastery of Ostrov. Later on, he was sent to Dachau and barely survived. This is how you defend the truth and honor. And as the last uh, thing I would like to say to quote our uh, maybe most important Yugoslavian writer, his name is Ivo Andrić. He was born as a Croat in the town of Visegrad. In 1961, he got the Nobel Award for Literature for his novel uh, Bridge on the River Drina. And in 1952, he changed his papers and he changed his uh, ethnical identity. He became the Serb. He became the Serb and he said to a group of people, I cannot belong to the same church that Alozius Stepanac is belonging. That's it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, if you read if you read the book of about Dana Budisavljevic uh, that the, the, the British guy wrote, uh, there actually was a connection between this Dana and, and Stepanac, and it was a kind of a cooperation. For saving those kids, but okay, I mean, okay. Uh, did you have some Sanich wrote many letters. He promised he would help. He didn't help. That's what happened. Oh. I'm not a historian, but the historian that wrote the book said that he helped. Who Harris? Yes. Okay. Okay, uh, Mr. Jones, I would uh, certainly appreciate if in a few months you make a sequel of this conversation. <laughs> there are so many things unsaid, you know. A sequel? So, yeah. You, you Hollywood people always love sequels. Yeah, yeah, they bring a lot of money. That's yeah. right. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you.